0: about yourself influences everything you do and how you respond or react to people and circumstances. Today, we'll be learning how to think of ourselves God's way. This message is the seventh in the series, Remind. The message is entitled, From Me Thinking to He Thinking, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dale Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets this afternoon as we get ready to study God's Word. And as we're doing that, let's give a good welcome to all the folks at our Frederick campus. All you folks in Frederick, we welcome you. And we're so excited to be together this weekend in the sharing of God's Word. We're involved in a series of messages called Remind. We're talking about how to change the way that we think, how to think God's way, how to think holy thoughts, and how to think healthy thoughts. And I want to talk this weekend, continuing in the theme, moving from me thinking to he thinking. The Bible is very clear about the value, the importance of your thought process. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says it this way, Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. Whatever you're thinking today that is the predominant thought patterns of your life right now will determine what you experience in your life today emotionally and where your life will go in the days to come. Your life, your life right now is being shaped for the future by the thought processes that are going on internally. The Apostle Paul described for us how we are to change our lives, that if we want our lives to be changed, we have to change our thinking. Romans 12, verse 2, the Bible says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We can't even discover the fullness of God's will for our lives until we begin to understand more about God's way of thinking. If you begin to think the right way, then out of that thought process, a holy, healthy thought process, will come more understanding of God's will and purpose for your life. Now, in your mind, at any point in time, there are four categories of thoughts that are going on. As Christian believers, those who have some relationship with God or want to grow our relationship with God, at some point in time during your day, I hope that you think about God. Do you think about God at some point in time during your day? I hope that you do, and I trust that you do, and I believe that all of us here have some thoughts about God during our day. But we not only think about God, we also think about ourselves. You're trying to process information about you and how you're coming across to other people and what you're thinking about in terms of decisions you're making with your life. So you're thinking about God, you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking also many times about others, what's going on with them and how can I rightly relate to them or what did they mean when they said this. And so all of these impact, impact our thought processes. And then we also think about just the stuff of life information that we're dealing with and business that we're involved in and just work that we have to do, just the data of life that that, that involves our attention and our our concentration. So at any point in time in your day, you're processing information on at least four categories or some, some combination thereof, God, self, others, and stuff. God, self, others, and stuff. Say those four areas with me, God, self, others, and stuff. This is your mind at all times. Now, to, to grow in our thinking so that we think the right way, we obviously have to think the right way about God. I'm going to talk a bit about that today, and we'll be talking more about that in the days to come. We certainly need to think the right way about ourselves. and I'll come back to that one in a moment. We have to think the right way about other people, because if you don't think the right way about others, obviously your relationships will not be very positive and healthy. And then you have to think the right way about your stuff. You have to make decisions and interact with the the data, the information of life the right way. Out of all those four categories, what we're doing right now in this series is we're sort of zeroing in on the thinking about ourselves process, because it's an extremely important part of healthiness in your life. You cannot relate well with God if you have a wrong perception of yourself. You'll never relate well with other people if you have a wrong perception of yourself. And you certainly won't handle the stuff of your life the right way if you have a wrong perception of yourself. And so we want to make sure that we think of ourselves the right way, in a holy way, in a healthy way. Now, to think the right way about yourself, there's some things that have to be foundationally in place. First of all, you have to have a relationship with God because you can't really even know yourself apart from God. He is your creator. He's the one that made you. And so if you're going to get to know you, you need to get to know God so that you can get to know you. A lot of people are trying to determine who they are, and they don't even know God. And so how can they really determine who they are without knowing the God who made them? God knows more about you than you know about yourself. And so because of that, the more you get to know God, the more you'll understand about you. Also, you need to understand what He says about you. What does God think about me? And then also moving beyond that to get to the place where out of your life, because you have a good relationship with God, you know what God thinks about you, you can now, because you're full on the inside, you're healthy on the inside, you're living a holy, healthy life, you have something to give other people. I've learned in my life that a part of who I am is defined by my interaction with other people. I don't even discover some of who I am outside of community. You all help me to understand who I am, and and I help you to understand who you are, our interaction with each other. I discover gifts in my life, and I discover your gifts, and we learn something about one another by our interaction. And so those are vital elements of getting to know ourselves. Now, as a part of this this part of the series, this this element of looking at ourselves, we talked last weekend about two very important things that were necessary if you and I wanted to know ourselves. We talked about learning how to think humbly in our lives, how humility is a vital part of that. We talked about learning how to think independently and interdependently and independently, appropriately. All of those things are elements. If you missed last weekend's message, let me really encourage you to get a copy of the the MP3. It's free online for you. You can stop at the Resource Center and get a, a CD of that if you'd like to. The easiest way is to go online to the MP3 and get a copy there. It's very important. You get foundationally what we talked about last week. This weekend, I'm going to talk about two more things. If you want to think the right way about yourself, here are two other things that are necessary. The first thing this weekend I want to talk about is you have to learn how to think what I will call trustingly. You have to learn to develop trust internally. You have to have the right trusting relationships in your life if you're going to be healthy in your thoughts about you. One of the curses of our world today, and actually the curse of many of us that we deal with quite regularly, is the curse of insecurity. And there are many people in our society that struggle with not feeling very secure about themselves. And because they are insecure, that insecurity causes all kind of trouble in various relationships of life. And God never designed you to be insecure. God designed you to function best when you live in a place of security internally. Because when you're secure on the inside, you'll have peace. You'll be at rest internally. You'll be at rest about you, not struggling with you, and you'll be at rest at least more, more predominantly at rest with other people as well. So God wants you to be secure. And security comes from trust. When you trust something or someone, then out of that trust always flows security. Think about a relationship with someone. If you really trust them, then what will you feel in the relationship? Secure, right? And so if you really trust someone, you'll have rest in your heart about the relationship, and you'll not spend a lot of your energy worrying about various aspects of things that could happen or might be happening or all those kind of imaginations that can come in your mind. And so trust is essential because trust is what builds relationships. If you want a good marriage, what is a good marriage built on? It's built on trust. If you don't trust somebody, hey, don't marry them, okay? There's, just don't marry them, Okay. Because what's going to happen is, out of that, you'll never be secure. And so, trust is foundational for everything in terms of relationships of life. It's true in our relationship with God. Because your security and my security, in terms of our thinking, starts not with ourselves, but it starts with being secure in our relationship with our Creator. what I want to do for you today is provide for you five statements that will help you to understand more about who God is and how God thinks about you so that you can think about yourself the right way. Got it? Because if you don't understand what God thinks about you, you're never going to think about yourself the right way. And so there are five statements on your notes. I'm going to ask you to read them together with me and all the folks in Frederick and Gaithersburg here. We're going to read them aloud and loudly. I want to talk about these five things for the next few moments. Are you ready? I am underwhelmed. Let's try it again. Are you ready? I got to hear the folks in Frederick. Are you ready, everybody? Yeah, here we go. Number one, ready. God is a good, loving God and He loves me in spite of my failures. This is the first thing you need to think about God and know about Him. That God is good. God is a good God. God is good all the time. He's good because all He can be is good. Goodness is a part of His nature. He does good because He is good. There's never a time that God is not good. Every decision that God makes makes for you, or, co- or or convinces you to make with your life is good because God is good. The Bible says there is no darkness in God, only light. Everything about God is good, and as a part of His goodness, there is an expression of the fact that He is love because He is good. He is love. He loves you, and He loves you in spite of your failures. That is such a wonderful thing to realize. That there's nothing that I could ever do to earn more of God's love. God's love for me is not based on my performance. It is not a performance-based love. God loves me because God is love. And God loves you not because you perform well. God loves you because... God is love, and He's chosen to to direct His love toward you. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is, before we even fixed ourselves up, before we could make ourselves better, while we were still sinners, the Bible says that God sent His only begotten Son who gave His life for you and me. That is love. And so I want you to know today that you are secure in the love of God. You could never move make God love you more than he loves you right now your performance has nothing to do with it that means that God loves you on your good days and God loves you on your bad days aren't you glad about that amen God loves you when you're getting it all right, and God loves you when you're not getting it right, when you're getting it wrong, because the love of God never changes. That that does not mean that God approves of wrong behavior. Sometimes God steps in and disciplines us for our wrong behavior, but the Bible says He always does that, even out of love. As a father disciplines his children out of love, God disciplines us. So everything in your life that God does is directed by His goodness and directed by His love. Psalm 31, verse 19, How great is your goodness, the psalmist says about God, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in your name. So God is good. He's loving. No matter what you've done, no matter what's going on in your life, it is a secure love. Number two, read with me. God's promises are trustworthy, and they are for me to claim and hope in. Let's read it again together. God's promises are trustworthy, and they are for me to claim and to hope in. The Bible says that this book, called the Bible, is a book filled up with promises. I like to think of it this way. This is like a checkbook given to me by God. Not in a material sense. But in the sense of promises, all through the pages of the 66 books of the Bible, you will find promises, if you will, given checks, given to us by God, blessings He wants to bring into your life. And when you discover one of God's promises, what God wants you to do is to lay claim to that promise, to believe that it is for you, and to claim it, or if you will, to endorse the check and cash it for the benefit in your life. I'll show you an illustration of this. When I was seven years old, I learned that wonderful Bible verse. It was read to me, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise, right? Listen to it again. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says, here's the promise, you will be saved. That's the promise. When I heard that word for the first time in my life as a seven year old little boy, I got it. I understood. That's a promise for me. And so, what I did, I saw that as a check issued to me by God, but I needed to endorse it. I said, Yes. I believe, I accept this as reality for my life, and I claim the promise of salvation. And that day, as a seven-year-old little boy, I was saved, I was born again. My life has never been the same since that day. And many of you can testify in your own life, you can look back to that moment when you laid claim to the promise of salvation. But there are many more promises in the Bible, beyond not just not beyond salvation, but in addition to salvation, that you are to lay claim to. My God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's a promise. God says, I've given you that promise, that check. Now you endorse it, lay claim to it. Now let's take a look at what the Bible says about these promises in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. And by the way, if you're not actively taking hold of promises from God in your life, one of the greatest growth points for you this year is to get a hold of the promises and begin to lay claim to them. Notice what the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, implying there's a whole bunch of them, they are. What are they? Yes, in Christ, and so through them, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Notice what it says. All these promises in this book, because we're in Jesus Christ, when we come to that promise, what's the answer from God to us? Yes. Yes. That's for you. Yes, that promise is for you, and we simply add our amen, yes, Lord, so be it. Let it be for my life what you've said, and we lay claim to it. God has promised for your future. That's why I can confidently stand up here today. If I could do it eyeball to eyeball, I would do it with every one of you and tell you with deep conviction in my heart based on the promise of God's word, your best is not behind you, your best is in front of you. Your best is ahead for you. Why? Because there is promise for your life. God is a God of promises. The third thing, read together with me. Even the tough things have meaning and good purpose. In life, we are going to go through some tough things. Never think that being a Christian means that you have an insurance policy against problems. You don't. The Bible says, Jesus in fact said it this way, in this world you're going to have some trouble. You're going to have some tribulations. Why? Because we live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. We are sinful people. And so because we're sinful people living in a broken sinful world, guess what? We're going to have some trouble along the way. And there's some of you here today that you've gone through some significant troubles in your life. What I want to remind you of is this. No matter what your troubles have been, when you bring your troubles to God, God is well able to bring meaning and good purpose even out of your problems. Even out of the tough things in life. God specializes in making something beautiful out of messes. Only God can do that. Only God can take a life that is riddled with problems and pain and brokenness and we bring it to Him in a big old mess and God takes this mess and miraculously makes something beautiful out of it, It gives meaning to it and gives purpose to it and gives value to the pain that we've gone through. And so if you're here today and you've walked through some kind of trouble, and that should probably be every one of us. Remember that right now, whatever your pain has been, or whatever pain you might go through in your life, God says, I'm able to take that and work out a redemptive, valuable purpose for it, to weave it into the tapestry of your life so it becomes a part of my ministry in and through you. It's a wonderful thing that only God can do. That means your problems can't stop you. It means your problems can't put you down on the mat and keep you there. It means that whatever messes you've made in your life, it's not the end of the story because God can take the mess and do something amazing with your mess. Romans 8, 28. If you don't know this verse, you ought to know it. Many of us as Christians have learned this. Let me remind you of it again. Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we know that in all things, everybody say all. All. What does all mean? All means all, okay? It means everything. And we know that in all things, that is the good things, the bad things, in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. God says, here's what I do. I take the stuff of your life and I work good through it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. This is beautiful, because God says, here's what I do, that in your life when you go through some trouble and you turn to me, I come along and I comfort you and I help you and I transform your situation. I give meaning and purpose to your troubles. And then what I will do with you then, because I've worked in you, I will then bring you alongside somebody else who's going through what you went through. And suddenly now, out of your mess, there becomes a ministry. Out of your mess, you're able to pour in to somebody else and help them along the journey. Because now, out of that mess, out of those problems, there's a purpose for your life. And many of you have ministries. Listen to me. Many of you have ministries that are waiting to be birthed, and I'll tell you where they will come from. They will come from the messes of your past, the problems of your past, and God will step in and redeem those and then put you alongside people who are going through stuff you've already gone through so you can bless them and help them along in their journey. That's a good God, see? That's how God works in our lives. See, it changes the way you think, see? Changes the way you think even about your problems. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, message paraphrase. Consider, consider it a sheer gift, friends. Let's stop there for a moment. God's about to talk to us about a gift. Now, anytime somebody talks to me about a gift, I listen. How about you? Right? Gift? Oh, yeah, let me listen to that. So God's going to talk to us right now about a gift. Here we go. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Whoa, whoa, that's not the gift I wanted. How about you? But God actually says that our tests and challenges, when they come at us from all sides, what is that? How did God define that? I can't hear you. He defined it opposite of what we define it as, God defined it as a gift. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Now, what do most of us want to do when we get into a problem? We want to get out of it as quick as we can, right? But God says, don't jump out of of the problem prematurely, but let it do the work. Let the pressures do the work in you. Now, if I were to take this bottle of water and open it up and apply pressure to this bottle of water, what would happen? This doesn't take rocket science to figure that out, right? Okay. The front row would be in trouble. That's what would happen, okay? Because when pressure is added, always what is on the inside is always going to be expressed, right? going to come out. Now, God says there are times in your life that I'm going to apply some pressure. Everybody say pressure, okay? So are you under pressure today? Anybody have any pressure in your life? Now, the Bible says that when there's pressure there, count it as a sheer gift from God. Because what God wants to do is He wants to fill you up with faith so that when the pressure is, comes, what comes out of you is what? What? Faith, what comes out of you is hope, what comes out of you is trust in God, what comes out of you is something good. Now, if the pressure comes on and bitterness comes out and anger comes out and rebellion comes out and all these bad things come out, it tells you that that there's still some work to be done on the inside of you, amen? But God says, I want to put pressure on you from time to time to show you that your faith really does work. Let's go to the next one. You're going to love this next one. Number four. Read with me. Because I obey God's word, my life cannot be shaken or destroyed. That I have this this belief, this awareness from Scripture, that because I'm walking in obedience to God's word, to the best of my ability and the power of the Holy Spirit, my life, your life cannot be shaken and it cannot be destroyed. Aren't you glad about that? Matthew 7, 24 and 25, Jesus said this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, that's the Scriptures, and puts them into practice, you do it, you try to live it out, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not. Fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Will storms come into your life? Absolutely. But if you're living in obedience to God's word, to the best of your ability, seeking to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit day in and day out, understand something, no matter what comes your way, it cannot shake you and it cannot destroy you. Why? Because your spiritual house is built on a rock that will not fail you. This is understanding how we are to think. See, it changes everything when you start thinking like this every day of your life. This is the truth. When you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And then number five, read with me. When I am threatened or afraid, I can go to God for courage, comfort, and covering. That I have this awareness, this trust, that when I'm threatened, when I'm afraid, I can go to God and receive from Him courage and comfort and covering. Now... One of the enemies in your life and my life is an enemy called fear. We battle fear from time to time. And by the way, you're going to always struggle at some level with fear. You're never going to have a place in your life where you're totally free from fear. It's going to be an ongoing battle because fear sneaks in, doesn't it? You ever notice how you're going along really well, then suddenly there's a fear that sort of crops in. Where did that come from? illustration about october of every year my wife and i start receiving house guests unwanted house guests okay. they're called mice and they show up about late september early october every year and they come in i don't want them there they're not welcome okay And I've done everything I know to do. had exterminators to come out and all kind of folks to help me. I mean, we plugged up every hole that I can find anywhere. I mean, just like, I don't know. I mean, these people, these mice must become invisible for a moment to go through walls. I don't know what they do, okay? But I've plugged every hole possible. But every year, September and October, they still get into my house. But they don't know me. Okay? because I rise up against them and I let them know they're not welcome in my house okay and I will do everything I possibly can to chase them out if they don't get chased out I will kill them Okay, I'm a mice murderer okay I am okay put me in jail whatever you wanna do I'm a mice murderer okay now I give them a chance to leave but if they don't leave they're in trouble cuz I'm after them I'm gonna chase them down Do everything I can to get rid of them. Why? Because they don't belong in my house. Okay? Do they get in? Do they get in? Do they belong? Does fear get in? Does it belong? Just because it gets in doesn't mean it belongs. Okay? You must understand that. Fear will find its way into your life. It finds these little nooks and crannies and opportunities to work its way in. But just because fear gets in doesn't mean that it belongs That it's supposed to be there, okay? Now, I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture that will... Help set you free from fear. It's one, thing, one of the passages that my wife and I will often read, uh, have read, as we simply walk through our house. We'll use this scripture passage uh, as, as just a statement of what we are declaring over our home. Listen to it, Psalm 91. Just let these words sink into your spirit today. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty, This I will declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust Him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night or the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the The Lord your refuge, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras, you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name when they call. Follow me. I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Amen. That will chase out some fear from your life. Paul said to Timothy, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. So the healthy, holy thinking Moving from me thinking to he thinking is trust-filled thinking, thinking trustingly toward God. Here's my second point today, and we'll cover it very, very quickly. Think confidently. Think trustingly and think confidently. Confidence is a key to you being able to give your best. And confidence really is vital when you're facing maybe a challenge, when you're facing an assignment that's bigger than you, maybe an, a, a set of responsibilities that you've been asked to perform that you don't have the ability to perform yourself. You need confidence when you're pressed outside your comfort zone. Anytime you're in your comfort zone, you, don't need, you already have confidence. But anytime you're pressed outside your comfort, comfort zone, that's when you need confidence. And one of the great things about God, listen to this, God is forever pushing you out of your comfort zone. If you walk with God any length of time, what he will do in your life is he will always progressively keep you out of your comfort zone. You know why? Because he wants your confidence not to be in yourself. He wants your confidence to be in him because he wants to show you not what you can do. He wants to show you what he can do because he can do way more through your life than you will ever be able to do in your life. So when God comes along and presses us outside of our comfort zone, the natural tendency is we want to build the wall in our comfort zone and retreat back in. But God says, no, I want to press you out. Well, I don't feel confident, God. That's the whole deal, okay? the, the, The lack of confidence is really what it's all about so that when we step out, we have to lean into God for the confidence that we need to handle something that is bigger than we are. Let me give a quick side note here. Confidence is very different from cockiness. Anybody ever met a cocky person before? All pride, they have this swagger about the way they carry themselves. That's not, that's not God at all, okay? That's, that's pride, okay? And confidence really is a biblical definition of confidence, again, is when you can't do what you feel like needs to be done or what God's asking you to do and so you're actually having to draw confidence from him Moses found this to be true in his own life when God called him to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt And he said, God, I can't do this. I'm I'm weak. I'm not a great man. And God says, I understand that, but I'm going to be with you, okay? And when you go back and tell Pharaoh to let God's people go, tell them, I am that I am sent you. And so I'm going to back you up, Moses. It's really not about you. It's about me. I'm going to move you from the me thinking to the he thinking so that your confidence is in God, not in yourself. Now, the apostle Paul faced this in his own life. Paul was a very bright man, wasn't he? I mean, Paul had a, an amazing mind. In fact, even legal scholars have, have studied the mind of the Apostle Paul, the writings of the Apostle Paul. Because he has such an amazing mind. The many letters, especially the book of Romans that he wrote, it's an amazing letter. It's a, an amazing treatise. But Paul was a very bright man, but he learned to lean into the confidence that he gets from God instead of from himself. And notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, what happens here. To keep me, Paul says, talking about himself, to keep me from becoming conceited, to keep me from thinking too highly of myself, Because of these surpassingly great revelations, because of all this amazing revelation God had given me, there was also given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Paul said, I had this thing that came into my life It was a really big problem. It was something that came from Satan to torment me. We don't know exactly what it was. Some people think it may have been a physical problem, an eyesight issue, some kind of thing that buffeted his life, but he has this problem and the Bible says, describes what he did, did with it. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. God, take this away. God, take this away. God, take this away. Notice verse 9. But then God, he said to me, my grace is sufficient. It's enough for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Read the rest with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here's one of the strongest men you would ever meet, one of the brightest men you would ever meet, coming to a place in his life where instead of boasting about his strengths, what does he start boasting about? His weaknesses. Think about that for a moment. You cannot imagine a, a guy that's smarter than Paul, that's more capable than Paul. But Paul learned a lesson. He learned how to boast not about his strengths, but he learned to boast about his weaknesses because he discovered something. When I am weak and I acknowledge where I'm weak, then I find something miraculous happening. The grace of God becomes sufficient for me in that area, and God does more in and through me than I could ever do for myself. And that's how he could later write in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things, everything, through Christ who gives me strength. Paul didn't say I can do everything in some cocky way. He said I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The Bible says, tells us over and over again about the value of this kind of confidence. I don't have time today to tell you the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 of Jehoshaphat and how he gained confidence, and 2 Chronicles chapter 32 how Hezekiah and the people of Israel gained confidence from God. But listen to these verses very quickly as we wrap up today. Jeremiah 17, 7, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him." Psalm 27, verse 3 Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear, though war break out against me, even then will I be confident psalm 27 verse 13 i am still confident of this i will see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living second corinthians chapter 3 verses 4 through 6 such confidence as this is ours through christ before god not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves but our competence where does it come from from God. He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not as not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Philippians 1:6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with Confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Don't you love those passages this morning? It reminds us that our confidence is not about what we can do. See, God is not looking for, with this I'm going to wrap up, God's not looking for your ability. Nothing wrong with your ability. It's a great thing to have ability. But the first thing that will qualify you to be used by God is not your ability. It's your availability. It's your willingness to say, God, I'm going to present myself to you. You know whatever strengths might be in my life, but Lord, you know there are a lot of weaknesses here. And to be able to fulfill your purpose for my life, I'm going to boast not about my strengths. I'm going to boast about my weakness so that your power can, can flow through me and do through me what I could never do myself. We're going to put a, a stop point there for this week. And next week, I have two more words for you, so you don't want to miss those next two words that will help us to begin to think the right way about ourselves. Let's bow our heads together in prayer today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. We ask that you'll take the word of God and seal it deeply in our hearts and help us to think with trust in you. Help us to think with confidence in you, God, and we ask that our minds would be changed and transformed and we would be renewed. Our lives would be different because we think We're thinking the way you want us to think, and we ask it in Jesus' name.
1: Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with himself. You know the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's son, the savior, the redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some
0: resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.